while you're race conditioning yourself, while you're race conditioning yourself. Hey, Zach. Hey, Liz. Been uh, reading anything? Yeah, uh, I have. I have indeed read any good books lately. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I just wanted to to, at the beginning recommend um, the it's a collection of short stories. How long till Black Future Month? Compiled by N. K. Jemison. Um, it's really good. It's got a lot of different short stories all strung together, um, in a way that makes you feel like maybe they're in the same universe, even though they're like by totally different authors, um, not written to be part of the collection, but it just feels like it's Afrofuturism. It's science fiction, uh, and fantasy. It's not just like, Ah, they're walking down the street and maybe that's, maybe this New York is the same as that New York. It's like, oh, he's fighting a monster in New York and maybe that's the same New York is, is in rubble in a hundred years in this other story kind of thing. Mm. Um, sounds good. Yeah. So I would really strongly recommend it. It's, um, one of the first short story collections that I've ever really read and, uh, it was very much worth my time, I'd say. So I think it would be worth yours. Where could Jared purchase that? Uh, you could go to your local independent bookstore, um, celebrate a belated independent bookstore day. Mm. Or you could go on, I don't know, friggin' Kobo or whatever. All the places that you get books. All right, cool. You could get a drone to your house by Jeff Bezos. But only if you t- travel back in time to 2016. Right. In New Zealand. Right. Did New Zealand get the internet balloons, too, from Google? Uh, actually, New Zealand still doesn't have internet. That's the thing. <laughs> they don't talk about it very much, but... Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you wouldn't hear about it because they don't have internet. Right. But... Uh, <laughs> That's that's why they got their COVID cases down so fast, is that they didn't have a bunch of right-wingers on Facebook. <laughs> we should try it. I was moving, and I was getting rid of all my old computers and stuff. And as you might remember, a long, long time ago, I said, I really want to take all my data and put it in smart places. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I've got one backup that's all on on Amazon's Glacier thingama. And then I've got one backup that's like an actual physical backup. And then I've got some stuff on my computer. And then I changed hard drives and I was like, okay, well, uh, you know, got to deal with this somehow. And so then that other hard drive was in a bay. And if I needed to get a file off of that, I could go plug that into the bay and then plug the bay into my computer and then type in the password that I remembered. Um, Got to travel all the way to a body of water though. And then, then, um, yeah, so then I could get access to the, the, the old computer hard drive stuff. And then I had a time machine backup of that computer. And then I had another computer. Um, And on, on the computer that I've been using since 2016, I had a crazy friend tell me that maybe I should start using PGP. And I said, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Um, and so I generated my PGP keys and I thought, I don't want to have to worry about reinstating the PGP keys anytime soon. So these PGP keys are just going to be floating out. Um, in the ether and they're not going to automatically expire. And then I backed up I all of the important this. things from that computer. I can't believe you're blaming me. <laughs> <laughs> For- and it, in, in the intervening, whatever, four years, three years since I generated those PGP keys, I've used them like five times, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, are they saved? They might be saved in my Gmail. 
oh, oh, they might be saved in my Gmail. I might still be okay. <laughs> okay, before you make a solution to your problem, what is the problem? I got all the important files, like all of my videos and all of the uh, code that I'd written for class and all that, and I pulled it off of my old computer, and then I said this computer is going to get recycled because the battery is melted. Um, go see some other episode where I talked about the, the time when the battery melted. Um, and so like, I'm not going to try and resell it to somebody, but I am going to send it to the recycling facility, but I don't want them to have all my data. So I'm going to wipe the hard drive before I do that. And I wiped the data and I went to bed and I woke up at 1am and I thought my, my keys, my PGP keys were on that computer. But I thought they were, but I thought your computer was backed up to a bunch of stuff. No, that was the other one. I've since, <laughs> since the podcast began, I believe I've had three different computers. Yes. And so the one that was really backed up was the, the Mac because I, that's, it's really easy to back up a Mac. You just plug in the thing and you're like, this is a time machine thing now. And it's like, you got it. That's your whole computer will be available from this thing and it'll be secure. And you're like, okay, sure. Um, and if you're on windows, you're like, I want to do this. And it's like, you can do a file history and you're like, okay, what does that mean? And they're like file history. And then you go look into it because you woke up in the middle of the night thinking where'd all my PGP keys go. And it does not include your PGP keys, that file history. I don't know what it does include, um, but it's not, not your full file history. What so that computer wasn't the one that was backed is, up. What, what medium is the file history on? A hard drive. A hard drive that is like, separated from a computer yes okay so there are some files with some sort of history on a hard drive that apparently does not include your pgp keys right and you probably erased your backblaze backups of that computer by now so that i could set up a backblaze backup of this computer Mm mm-hmm this is the PGP key for Zach at ZachSharp.me? I would assume. Okay. I have your public key. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I also um, have a backup of a that, that initial MacBook, but it's secured. <laughs> what do you mean by secured? The when you do file vault on a backup, it file vaults the backup, and so then it's password protected. But if you never wrote down the password because you thought, well, I, I've used this password for the last four years, why would I forget it? Um, then, <laughs> then you also don't have the password That's for that. That's not old a backup. backup. <laughs> That's not a backup. That is random noise. It was a backup when I remembered what the password was. <laughs> Also, I haven't touched it in four years, so clearly whatever's on it is not important. Fair. I, I Okay, so I like the idea of maybe that Gmail remembers it. The other option is that doesn't your key doesn't expire. I would... I... probably... It... Okay. So no, oh, this key update. does not expire. That's a Chrome only thing. Can I do FlowCrypt on a different? Can I install Google Chrome? <laughs> We're not going to do this real time, but uh, maybe FlowCrypt has it. Maybe it's all fine. Maybe nobody uses PGP, and even if it's not fine, it's fine. Yeah, you can make a new email address and a new key. and Because you're not... The issue is just that you lost the key. It's not like you're actually trying to decrypt something right now. Correct. So I could set up secure that. at ZachSharp.me. <laughs> I 
And then when I lose that one, I could set up a secure two at ZachSharp.me. <laughs> or I could just set up a new ZachSharp.me key and have mm-hmm. more people sign it or ver- verify it. How do you? Yeah, it's a, uh, how do you, what, what's the term that they use? Um, I read little, little Brother once. Signatures. Yes, it is signatures. I I have a question. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Why not make a full backup of your dying laptop before wiping it? There's a combination of I thought that the file history would do that. Okay. And I figured, okay, I've gotten everything that's important from the documents folder and from the videos folder, whatever folders I had been consistently using. And so what more would there be that I backed up? I see. All right. It's 2020. Everything's in the cloud. Not your private PGP keys. (laughs) All right. Whose fault is that? a really good point zach i didn't think about that <laughs> you know there should really be uh-huh uh a a technology that is possible and exists and all those things all that kind right. of good stuff that um you know is has unlimited storage and has a zero ping time with a at least a gigabit transfer rate that exists in the cloud so that you can access it from all your devices and it should also be secure um and also not need you to remember a password because uh any password that you can remember will of course not be secure enough right so uh do you think we can cook something like that up i can I think I could do at least half of that. If I get the upload half, can you get the download half? Ooh. I think we're right. So my deal is just you send me a file. Yeah. Well, who's going to do the storage though? We only have the transfers. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't need to store it when I get it, but you need to store it to be able to give it to them. Hmm. So they just send me a file, and then you give them a file later on. Right. There's a way to uh, store a, a pretty absurd amount of data in the uh, in, in in a way that it's not on some quote on someone's computer. So you can have two computers that do not have hard, hard drives. And you, so one computer sends a packet to the other computer, and that then computer two sends it back to computer one. And you can do that with a really absurd amount of files. And that just becomes Charter's problem, Spectrum's problem, because they have to deal with the network transfer load. But um, it doesn't... So so as long as neither of the computers lose power, we can just store uh-huh. a basically unlimited amount of data f- at no cost. And then it's just down to how big the router queue is. Yeah, exactly. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, if, if we (laughs) taught, if we taught computers songs, if we taught computers how to sing and how to write music, I think they would be able to store more With, with like mnemonics. Um, mnemonics and just like that's one of the big ways that humans did storytelling mm. um passed them down to their computer ancestors i don't know how your timeline's working but yeah 
it's uh, yeah ancestors was the wrong <laughs> successors or perhaps um children uh-huh the next descendants. generation descendants is what i was looking for brain didn't know that word any mnemonic <laughs> right i think that's a that was a pretty big human innovation is music and so if we give the computers music <laughs> zach you know what else was a uh, uh, was the it was the innovation directly after that <laughs> was writing things down with like la- written language Something that computers are already very good at. (laughs) We even have checksums to make sure no one copied it down wrong. Yeah. Okay. 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 Right. I'm just trying to think about how to like, how to handle the, the storage issue. How do we do unlimited storage for free? And I already tried music, but apparently that's. (laughs) Um, mm, Okay. But. What we haven't tried is uh, making those songs really like widely distributed because those like those methods of telling stories via song were passed down to like a limited set of people because like you couldn't back in the day you didn't have the internet you couldn't just like broadcast your thoughts to the entire world. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, what's the equivalent, the computer equivalent of a pop song that like gets stuck in your head and you can't help but remember? Oh, a virus. A virus. <laughs> your data will be securely stored on our widely distributed botnet. <laughs> Okay, what about Elon Musk just came out with his thing? He put he put a chip in a pig's brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know how we only use ten percent of our brain, right? Yes, that's widely known. I'm pretty sure it's twenty, but yeah, I think we have at least five hundred percent more capacity than we're using. Right. So what if we work out a deal whereby Elon Musk's little chip gets you up to like twenty five percent? And then we just use the other 75% to store stuff. It's like the ad-supported Kindle, but for brains. Uh, Spoilers for a book called Year Zero. Um, They have uh, nanobots that fix viruses or fix ailments Mm -hmm. at at a cellular level and uh, at the and they just kind of like release them into the air and like it fixes everything in the universe but at the cost of putting advertisements in your dna (laughs) because like that cell that specific cell only needs the dna for itself it's like a skin cell doesn't need the dna that codes for the liver or whatever Right. So they just replaced that with ads. And that's how they... Can... <laughs> I think we should do a similar thing. We just unlimited storage just by uh, changing people's DNA. Mm, okay, okay. S- similar to your uh, idea of using the other 75%. Yeah, right. There's a lot of space that we're just not using. Mm-hmm. What if we take all of the... Here's another fun pop sci fact for you. You could, like, the chances are you could just walk through a door. The chances are very small, but, like, there's enough empty space and weakly nuclear force isn't a thing. Mm. Um, so, so you could just walk through a door. You know, so, your PGP key probably exists uh-huh. somewhere in Pi. Oh, I've just got to look for it. Probably the Tower of Babel or the, the Library of Babel, too. Yeah. So, the, okay, we're solving all the problems. Uh-huh. There's a lot of untapped potential here right. in the universe. But regardless of how we do that, we have to create 
a mechanism by which we can accurately access all those bits that we're storing between the atoms. Right, okay. So we need to cook something up to do that with. It's a telescope and a microscope. The telescope part gets you to see a thing that's very far away, and then the microscope gets you to see it real big. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best I've got. So one of the things that if I had a a PGP key, I would be storing um, in in between all of the the bits and bytes of the universe Mm -hmm. um, is my grocery list. Because there's still, it's 2020, there's still no good way for me to have a grocery list on more than one device that I can access with an API. Does not exist. Um, because because I'm, I'm a real adult now and I need to put, put food together for myself to put into my mouth. Um, and I said that in such a weird way because that's still the weird way that I think about it all the time. I'm like, mm, yes, time to put some food in my mouth. Got to do all the steps for the the food and take it from being money in my bank account that is also just ones and zeros, but turn it into like food and then make it cooked food and then make the cooked food food in my mouth and then make it chewed food and then make it nutrients. It was nutrients the whole time, actually. That's like the M. Night Shyamalan twist. It was nutrients the whole time, mm. except for the bites. The bits and bites aren't nutrients yet. But they will be one day. In addition to your telescope microscope, we're going to uh-huh. need some sort of straw to be able to change it. <laughs> so maybe that's like how we get the nutrients. Just slurp mm. it up. I had been thinking laser for that part. I figured that was self-explanatory. Oh, my mistake. <laughs> Didn't realize so i've got like a a cooking workflow now and so that's like a a strange adult thing where it i used to be like ah, i need a workflow for doing my notes and now i don't take any notes anymore because what do i have that i need to take notes on and so now i've got a cooking workflow um that is still very much in progress and and probably could be better in a lot of ways but this is the very first time i've ever said the phrase cooking workflow and up until now, I've just been thinking about it as like, yeah, I just do the cooking thing. Like, I imagine right. cooking different things would require different steps. Yes. So how can you have a cooking workflow? There's a lot of boilerplate around the cooking. Mm. <laughs> Broiler plate, if you will. Um, but like, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that I got to do every time I want to do a recipe and be like, okay, time to, to think about this recipe and get the recipe in and make it ingredients and make the ingredients a shopping list and then go out to the grocery store and get whatever ingredients are on the list. And then um, I was talking recently with somebody about like how you cannot expect expect your human brain to to like be good at stuff all the time sometimes your brain is just dumb sometimes your brain is just dumb i will die on this hill sometimes your brain is dumb (laughs) okay uh let's Um, let's just say for argument that i agree that (laughs) sometimes your brain is dumb and so i think that it's a good thing to set yourself up to just be a robot sometimes and so your dumb brain doesn't have to think about like, okay, I need to, I'm, I'm going to make the, the lentils recipe. So I need to get lentils and I need to get butter and I need to get, right. I just want to be a robot that walks into the grocery store. And then an hour later I walk out and I'm like, wow, I have so many ingredients. <laughs> okay. And for that hour, the, the ghost of purchasing cooking supplies possesses me. Is that not how you think about grocery shopping? <laughs> uh, No. Um, the way I think about grocery shopping is more along the lines of I will go up and down every single aisle picking out the things I need because I am 
too lazy to make a dang list. How often then do you get home and think, oh, wait, I needed, uh, I needed a thing? All the time. Every, in fact, every single time. I go every single shop, time. Every single time. I was like, ah, I should have grabbed that. And you see, that's why the, the robot thought technology is, is useful, is because <laughs> yeah, you no, have I'm a dumb a, human brain. Totally with you. Um, and so, like, that's something that I've done for a while, is I think, okay, I just want to, I want to be a robot, I want to get my bags, I want to walk out the door. And, like, so the sooner that the ghost of purchasing cooking ingredients can possess me, the better. Okay. Like the the more of that process that can happen where I'm just possessed by the ghost of buying cooking ingredients. Okay. The less error margin, there, the less, the less likely I am to screw it up because now it's the ghost okay. doing it. And the, the ghost is less likely to screw up because that's the whole point of the ghost is it's just the cooking ingredients ghost. Which is not dumb and very smart. I think it's a very specific kind of smart. Is it just really good at math, but not so much at writing? (laughs) Excellent at math, actually surprisingly awful at purchasing things in a store. (laughs) It's counterintuitive, I know, but bear with me. Um, and so I think I've talked before about having a grocery bag, um, where the, the G and the O are capitalized. That's why I'm pronouncing it so weird because it's a go bag and a grocery bag. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. Yeah. Um, and since then, uh, I am on to, to grocery bag 2.0, uh, which is that I have two panniers on my bike and I just load them up with all the stuff that I'm going to need for grocery shopping. And then I bike down to, to get the groceries and then I bike back home with the panniers all full of groceries, okay. um, which is nice because it means that it's, I don't have to interact with as many people as I would if I was taking the bus or, or getting an Uber to go get me some groceries. Um, and also like is presumably better for the environment i don't know about the the long tail of that sort of thing right you can look at it and be like that's better for the environment but then i'm not supporting the bus system and so does the right there's a billion factors um but when i do it i feel good about my impact on the environment so i'm just gonna leave it at that i don't think anyone's gonna get mad at you i don't jared jared if you're mad at zach for biking to the grocery store uh you can contact me on my twitter handle okay (laughs) zach continue (laughs) so i I do the bike thing and that feels good every time i'm like hey yeah i'm biking and i'm Mm -hmm. getting groceries and then i come back home and i've i've got groceries and i have gotten all the groceries from the list but i'm doing this all out of order because i started talking about the grocery bag and not the actual like cooking workflow but uh, how often are you getting groceries? Uh, probably every two weeks. Um, wow, okay. When, when, when I feel the ghost compel me. <laughs> okay. Okay. The thing is, there's, there's the nearby grocery store that has um, produce that I don't trust and very high prices. But so, if I need, like, butter, I can run to the nearby grocery store and get it. But if I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a soup and I need carrots and celery and peppers and all that then i want to go to the far away grocery store but i don't want to go all the way to the far away grocery store to get the produce that i trust if i'm not just getting if i'm not getting the produce for multiple recipes did that make sense so if you're just grocery shopping and not don't have a specific recipe in mind such that 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 needs a lot of produce you're going to go to the close grocery store if you do need a lot of produce for example like a soup you want to go to the far away grocery store but not uh but you don't want to go to the far away grocery store if it's only for one recipe you want to go to the far away grocery store only if it's multiple recipes with a lot of produce exactly (laughs) 
I mean, multiple recipes with any sort of thing, because the, there's also the price. It's not just the produce that I do or don't trust. It's the mm, price, which is okay. better at the faraway grocery store. Zach, you should really be supporting your both your local environment and your local community by going to a farmer's market and not a grocery store. Yes. Um, the thing is, the farmer's market occurs in the afternoons on Sunday, which is a time that I just so happen to be habitually podcasting. My fault again. (laughs) (laughs) Also, for a while recently, I've been thinking, hey, I don't really uh, I don't really want to go to a place where a bunch of other people are uh, and like with their masks off and eating a hot dog or whatever. Probably not a smart idea. But I don't know about that now. I don't know. I'm going back in the office in a couple weeks. Ooh, life's weird. What's your cooking workflow now that we've gotten your grocery shopping workflow out of the way? Well, I didn't I didn't start at the beginning. I started in the middle. So I got to start at the beginning now because it okay. starts with the planning phase. Okay. Where I set things up for the, the ghost to come possess me. Um, where I'd flip through the couple recipe books that I have and then just like search for things that I want to make with the ingredients that I do have. Um and then I add the recipes that I want to make to a drafts note titled recipes that I'm shopping for and then the date that I'm going shopping. Okay. And then I add the ingredients that I don't already have to my grocery list, which is currently in Big Oven because they were like, we've got an API, but it's it just it feels more like ads than <laughs> API support. And I never actually use the API, so I don't know what to do about that. Sometimes you reload the page and it says, you checked off all the items. And you're like, I didn't check off anything. And then you reload the page again and they're all back. And so what does that mean? I don't know. And so then I have a list of recipes that I want to make. And I have a list of food that I need to go buy. And so then I get on my bike with all of my grocery stuff. And I I go and I get the groceries. And then I come back home and I... um, do like a little there's a there's a ritual to getting all the groceries out of the the bike bags and into the fridge or like maybe it's spinach and i gotta put it like with a towel or it's onions it's uh spring onions and i need to put those in a jar so that they stay wet or you know there's all sorts of things that you gotta do with with your food that makes it then nicer to use when you actually want to cook with it. Mm -hmm. And so that's like the whole, that's the pre and then the post grocery shopping. Um, and then I have just today discovered that maybe it would make sense to start chunking up the ingredients list on recipes into which step they're used in. So I can just look at that and decide if I can, prepare them all in one bowl or if i need to be like here's the small bowl of carrots and here's the small bowl of onions or if i can just be like here's the carrots and the onions and the celery all in one bowl because they all get added at once Mm -hmm. and then i uh i just started doing that on a pdf on my ipad so that i can note notate it up and be like hey this recipe never said where to add the sausage back in so i'm going to add the sausage back in here Hope it tastes good. And so next time when I come back to the recipe, I can I can look at my notes and be like, ah, yeah, it did not taste good. Where should I add the sausage in this time? And then I eat the food. And I think that's my whole... And then I clean the dishes also. That's part of the cooking workflow. So just remember, cooking isn't that hard. It's just like five steps with a lot of sub-steps. Okay. How, like, how many meals are you making? So, like, I'll give you an example. I made a chili in my Instant Pot, and it was really good. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I could eat chili every meal for a couple days, which is not something I wanted to do necessarily. Um, So, are you, like, making a meal? Or are you making, like... A week's worth of meals in one, um, or is it, it go ahead i i think sometimes i i construct an ideal zach who does meal prep and is like i'm gonna spend all of sunday making 
all the meals I'm going to need for the week and they don't have to worry about it for the whole week and I just can eat food. But like, that doesn't work. A, I get tired after the first meal that I make because it's a, it's hot in the kitchen and I haven't eaten anything because I've been too busy cooking. <laughs> and B, sometimes I just want to eat tacos and then I eat tacos instead of eating whatever the food is that I, I just made and then the food that I just made goes bad because I was eating tacos instead. Mm-hmm. And then C, sometimes I just get like sick of foods that I made. So like I take advantage of the fact that I have a freezer Um and freeze the soups. A lot of times I make soups because soups are easy. And freeze the soups. Sometimes if I'm feeling very ambitious, uh, then I will make like a single meal and be like, this is the meal and we're having this meal right now. But most of the time I'm like, let's make soup and then it's enough soup that I can eat it for four days. And then I just make sure that like the Gantt chart of soups is never like soup for breakfast, soup for lunch, soup for dinner kind of thing that I can have like this kind of soup for lunch and this kind of soup for dinner. And then it's a new different two kinds of soups tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) Soup all the way down. Yeah. Do you have any like guiding principles for us? On what? On cooking and on grocery shopping, on anything in life perhaps what what's your recommendation to those of us who would like to cook but it's kind of hard and i don't know it's really if it's my thing you're gonna fuck it up i don't want to fuck it up and then you're gonna fuck it up less i don't want to fuck it up and then eventually i was saying earlier about how like the recipe doesn't say when to add the sausage in. And so I just wrote myself a little note about like, Hey, I added the sausage in here. Um, and so I've been trying more recently to think about it more like a lab notebook than like a recipe. (laughs) Okay. Of like, Hey, I, I experimented with this. I tried this recipe and it turns out that the recipe as written does not have enough garlic because it's from some lady in Utah and she just doesn't know what garlic is. Um, and so next time I'm going to add twice as much garlic and I've done a very bad job of writing those things down because I haven't had a good place to do it, but now I have an iPad and a PDF that I can add it all to. Um, but I think writing yourself notes on a recipe is a big, important part of making the recipe something that you enjoy. Okay. Also... The the prep phase, in my experience, is going to take a lot longer than you think it will. You're going to think like, oh, I just got to chop up the carrots and the onions and the celery. And then it's an hour later and you're like, Whoa. <laughs> that also gets easier the more that you practice how to chop onions. Everything else is pretty straightforward. Onions, though, you're like, it's, they're just slidey. The issue is, Zach. The issue is always. And I should figure out... Uh, uh, Jared's gonna laugh at me, but and by Jared I mean my dad is gonna laugh at me. <laughs> when I get hungry, I just want to eat something. I don't want to have to cook something. And like that can be fixed by having an eating schedule, or it can be fixed by meal prepping, or it can. There's a lots of ways to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like I, that I found. Do satisfying actually have some advice on that okay cool which is right when you start thinking like "Mm, i could eat if you already have a recipe ready and the like the ingredients ready and everything not chopped yet or whatever but you're like ready to start some recipe get the recipe out skim through it open up some san pellegrino And just like sip that every time you're like, man, I'm really hungry and this food's taking so long. What flavor? Uh, Any flavor works fine. I've been enjoying the Pompelmo one recently, uh, but I also have a prickly pear, which is pretty good. Prickly pear. So, yeah. Huh. But that like, for me at least, does stop the little bit in my brain that's like, this food is taking so freaking long. Because I can just be like, no, it's here's some soda. It's fine. Just have some soda. Whatever, dude. 
Okay, that that's good advice. Thank you. <laughs> and also just like be it's a it's a skill to get better at checking in with yourself on like am I about to be hungry? Um and I'm not there yet and I don't think I know a lot of people who are, but I think that like sometimes I get the whispers of it. <laughs> Of I'm like, oh, maybe I'm starting to be hungry. And I'm like, nah, whatever. And then an hour later, I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. Also, I just like, I learned from my dad that it's good to just have like almonds or something in the Mm -hmm. kitchen. So you can be like, I'm going to eat five almonds and that's going to give me enough energy to make this real meal. And then I will have the real meal for like the next three days because it's soup and you just can make a lot of soup very quickly. I'm a big fan of soup, if you can't tell. (laughs) So, speaking of soup. Okay. I'm going to pose a scenario, and you'll... I want to know what you... First, I'm going to know what you think happens, because I think it's going to... You're going to... I think it's going to be entertaining for me. Okay. (laughs) Um... If I put my computer to sleep, if I if I put my computer to sleep and then I spilled mm-hmm. my soup on it, if I didn't save a file before putting it to sleep, is, is that file going to still have the data if I'm able to recover? If I'm able to turn, you know, turn it back on after soaking it in rice, it's not soaking, uh, covering it in rice. Mm-hmm. So your computer is asleep. Mm-hmm. I just need to get the the order of events here. Computer asleep. Yes. Soup on computer. Soup on computer. Soup is now off the computer. <laughs> yep. Computer Presum- presumably is the the computer like turned off. For whatever reason your okay. computer turned like it lost power because you short-circuited it with soup. Okay, so the question is, when it goes to sleep, does it store your currently active operations in the hard drive or in the RAM? That is basically the essence of it, yes. And I... My instinct says hard drive, which is to say that the files will be there when the soup is gone. Okay. Well, Zach, it might surprise you to know that uh, it's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) So, basically, at some point in my life, I've futzed around with the sleep settings on my Mac and now it does a weird thing when you put it to sleep where it like it asks you for your password and then it it'll unlock after like a second or two and it has a little loading screen and then it'll ask you for your password again I was trying to figure out what that that a problem on your last computer yes did you infect the new one or what well, I I did a um, I did the migration assistant when I upgraded, ah. or you know whatever I restored from the time machine or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um. Which of course means that I I did something, and I can presumably uh, undo it. <laughs> One would hope. And so I. I'm looking into, I looked into the sleep settings on a Mac, and here's what I learned. Mm -hmm. There are four ways, there are four basic ways that your Mac can go to sleep, depending on what settings you have. So, (laughs) I'm reading off a notebook. Mm -hmm. Um, So first, you have simple sleep which is the default for desktop, so your iMac, your Mac Pro. And what it does is what you assume that is what, like, I think one would assume that computers do when they sleep, which is, like, just kind of use less power, uh, turn off the screen, 
uh, spin down the hard drives, um, but have all of the state uh, in the RAM still. Okay. Uh, so the simple sleep mode leaves the RAM powered up, and it doesn't try to make any types of backups with, of it. So if you have a desktop and you spill soup on it, it will that data will not be recovered. Mm-hmm. The second type of sleep is called hibernation, and it's the default for portable Macs before 2005. But it's still an option that you can select in current Macs, mm-hmm. um, which writes the RAM to the disk and then turns off the RAM to conserve that power. So when you wake it, it rewrites, it It takes that cache from the hard drive and puts it back into the RAM. So in that case, the soup would be okay. You would not lose that data. Okay. The third way is called safe sleep, and it's the default for portable Macs after 2005, which does both uh, keeping it in ram and writing it to the hard drive so just in case of this type of thing where you spell soup on it uh it will rewrite it to the ram but it doesn't take as long to wake because you don't have to rewrite it Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of the best of both worlds but it does require more storage and it will use more power so I guess it depends on what you consider the <laughs> the best of both worlds. It's faster to wake and it's got backup, but it requires more storage and more power. Mm-hmm. And the fourth mode is called standby, which is not the default ever, but uh, is a way, but will activate after uh, three hours if your computer is asleep, if your laptop is asleep for three hours, it will activate standby mode, which is effectively the same as as fully powering it off, except it writes the state on the hard drive. So if you have a pre-2005 portable Mac, it will use the hibernation mode, Mm-hmm. which is similar to standby mode, except that you won't have to log back in and stuff. So that's the four main ways, and each of those has some complexities. Okay. <laughs> uh, mostly with the the invention of a power nap, which is a sort of a fifth way you can have so each of these modes has an option for power nap which will periodically if if you're on battery it will periodically wake your computer up without turning on the screen uh and fetch email uh, updates and um other like processes that like would be helpful if you don't have to like you can just open your Mac and the emails will be there. You don't have to wait for them to download. Mm-hmm. And it can it, do uh, that for any of the first three. It can, yes, because standby will uh, be the same as powered off, so power nap won't activate. So yes, simple sleep, right. hibernation, and safe sleep. Uh, if you have power nap turned on, it will wake your computer up to a small degree. And by a small degree, I mean it. it's basically everything's just running except there's no input controls nor uh, does the display light up. Mm-hmm. But like your fans might spit up, spin up or um, the it might access the network or something. Right. If you have like a cron job, then it'll, that'll work. Um so that's another weird little hiccup. And sometimes if you misconfigure it, 
it will delay. So standby activates after the three hours by default in sleep. But if you have like a cron job or something that overwrites the, the standby counter, Mm -hmm. if it resets it to zero in some way, maybe by registering it as like a user input or something, then it will never go into standby. As long as the cron job is less than every three hours. Yeah, something like that. Right. Um, If you have your computer plugged into AC power, then it will just do those power nap things continuously. It doesn't have to wait. Mm -hmm. There's also some weirdness around file vault and encryption so if you so your file vault key is stored in memory so okay if you're so let's say your uh your 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 hard drive is encrypted and the and you have a password that password is stored in RAM. So if you lose power, if it's simple sleep and you don't write that key to the hard drive when you go to sleep, if you spill your soup on it, then uh, you will have to you'll have to retype in that password. That that's gone. Mm-hmm. Which is which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But for hibernation or safe sleep, where you're writing the RAM to the hard drive your even though the computer's powered down your file vault key will be on the hard drive which is not good because the you don't want the encryption key to be on plain text in plain text on the thing that's encrypted right <laughs> that that's not that's just not what you want because mm-hmm. it's too easy to decrypt. So there's an extra setting, which is the all, almost all of this you have to configure on the command line. You can't. There's no like GUI system setting because it's a lot of. There's a lot of complexity. It's fiddly stuff that most people don't need to worry about. <laughs> um, and it's fiddly stuff that I probably shouldn't have fiddled with, but. Um, so there's another setting to say whether the file vault key should be deleted before writing it before writing the ram to the hard drive mhm and if you say yes you should destroy that key before putting it on the hard drive then no matter so, uh, if if you spilled your soup on it and the RAM is lost and if it's on the hard drive, you'll have to type retype in your password to access it. To access anything right. on the hard drive, including yeah. the current state. What was happening with my computer mm-hmm. was that I had it set to... And this is... I, I'm tempted to put it back because it almost makes sense. I had it set to hibernate, which means that when I put it to sleep, you can it, it writes the RAM to the hard drive and turns off the RAM. Right. And I also had the file vault key destroyed before doing that. Yes. So, when my computer woke from sleep, it said, Hey, look, there's nothing in the RAM. Let's go find it in the SSD. And then it would try to do that, but then it wouldn't have the password. So, it would ask for the password, and I would type in the password, and then it would say, Okay, cool, you're waking from sleep. Uh, Type in the password. (laughs) Because it wasn't remembering that I had just done that in order to access the file that said it was asleep. 
Right. But if I kept it in the RAM, if I didn't turn off the RAM when going to sleep, then all that state wouldn't be encrypted. Mm-hmm. And so if I put my computer to sleep and someone took it, then they would be able to access anything I was doing uh, before making it sleep, which in theory could be an entire file system. Right. So that's no good. It would also include my file vault key. Um, so yeah, that's what was happening. Uh, don't get... There's also more complexity because you can also... <laughs> you you can also just put the display to sleep and have everything functioning normally except for the display is asleep and that will save some power. It'll obviously keep the RAM and the file vault key and it doesn't quite count as sleep so it won't activate standby ever okay but it will count towards that time in display sleep will count towards full computer sleep time so if you have your computer scheduled to if there's if there's two hours of inactivity when the screen is on it will go to sleep if you have that set up, which is mm-hmm. a, totally a thing you can do in just the GUI thing. If you have that set up, then it, the same thing will happen if there's a screensaver on the screen or if there's a... Or if the display is put fully to sleep. Yeah. Which is similar, but not the same to Power Nap. Because, the, because if you... Because Power Nap only activates during real sleep not just display sleep because display sleep is just on except no display right but display sleep still prompts you for a password upon waking it up from display sleep because that's just what someone decided It'd just be like that yeah yeah so what are your settings set to right now my settings right now are set to uh, safe sleep. So it will write it to the hard drive, keep it in the RAM, uh, but and it won't write my file vault key to the SSD, but it will keep it in the RAM. Okay. So if I lose... If I spill soup on it, <laughs> this is. If I spill soup on it and then someone steals it, it'll be okay. But if I don't spill soup on it, it won't be okay if someone steals it. The three-hour standby mode does that clear the RAM? Yes. And so then you'd be good too if you waited three hours for somebody to steal it. Yes. <laughs> Then just do that. Yeah. Uh, and that, I think, yeah, that's it. That's, I I think that is most, there's also wake for network access, which is, mm-hmm. so if, <laughs> you can turn that on if you want to be able to, like, SSH into your computer. Right. So if your computer is in a non-standby sleep mode... You can wake it for network access. So someone can can wake up your computer from sleep via the network. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, there's also settings on whether or not it should spin down the hard drives. Usually you want that, but not always. Because if you have a... It almost doesn't even matter for SSDs, but for mm-hmm. uh, spinning hard drives, then you might want, if you want the wake time, if you want it to wake up really fast, then you'd want to just keep it spinning. Right. Uh, let's see. There was, I feel like there was more. Um, Do you remember for the settings that you arrived at earlier that had you in the weird double password setup? Mm-hmm. Was that like you looked at all of your options and decided on which one was the best? Or was that like Lifehacker or 
Steve Gibson or somebody said, here's what you do. That's the, the, the latter of those two was almost definitely what happened. Okay. Um, oh, you can also um, set it to after standby, after doing a standby for a certain amount of time, you can have it fully power off. Okay. Uh, you can also the you know where when it kind of like half dims and then says I'm about to go to sleep. Move your mouse if you want me to keep being awake. Uh-huh. You can set that. Um, you can set. Okay, so if you you can set what when you when you sleep or display sleep or screensaver or power nap, but that is included under sleep. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to mention it. Uh, there is a set amount of things that will make the computer come back to wake up. So that's uh, keyboard clicks, power button clicks, um, trackpad clicks, but not trackpad taps. Okay. And as far as I know, there's no way to change that. But you can change what wakes it up from standby. Um, by default, the only thing that can wake it up from standby is keyboard, power button, and external keyboard power buttons. So it'll turn off all of USB except for one signal Mm. that is like the power button. I don't know exactly how that works, but... That's apparently what happens. Huh. Um, most of these settings are in a command line call, thing called PM set, and that's just one word, P-M-S-E-T. Mm-hmm. And you can look at your current settings by doing PM set dash G. Oh, in newer, in newer laptops, you can also wake it by uh, opening the lid. You can set it to wake when you plug it into power? Apparently, yeah. There are a lot of things here. Um, and probably don't need any of it, which is cool. I have three different core audio daemons running. <laughs> all of them preventing sleep. <laughs> Womp. What does that mean? Womp is... um. I knew that at some point. Hold on. Womp. Uh, a magic network packet. The, ah. the wake for network access thing. Not all the network packets, but the right ones, the magic ones. The right ones. Also an undocumented GPU switch command, which you, we just have no, no idea what that does. <laughs> Someone does, but... Sudden motion sensor. Yes. Um, That's not an option for mine, but it does exist. Sets whether to use a sudden motion sensor to park hard drive disk heads if there's a sudden jolt. So your computer doesn't have that because it only comes with SSDs, likely. I would hope. UPS only. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Don't forget that there are different settings entirely if you're connected to a UPS. (laughs) Fuck. (sighs) Does that do the um, Ethernet over power? That's like how you can run the Ethernet through your power cables? It does Ethernet over power to con- convince your computer that it's getting its power from a UPS. I don't know how it works. I know that there are ones that connect... It has like both a power, like you you plug it in and you have an Ethernet to your laptop so that if the UPS starts 
beeping because the power went out, then it'll tell your computer mm-hmm. that, hey, maybe you should like turn off saving all the stuff. Save all the stuff, yeah. turn off all that good all that jazz. You can also just skip sleep and go right to standby. Yeah. What is standby to again? Standby is the same as fully powered off, except it saves a state on an SSD. So it won't have... So even if you have wake for network access turned on, it won't wake for network access because it's fully powered off. Except, yeah. All right. That's a lot. Yeah, so apparently, according to one article I read, it can stay, a laptop put into standby can last roughly 30 days without power and like, and like still have battery left. Mm Mm-hmm. What is it using the power for? I have no idea. And now, a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. Are you sure you want to turn off battery health management? Battery lifespan may be significantly reduced. This has been a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. Jared, if you want to tell me uh, your cooking workflow. Or if you you read uh, How Long Till Black Future Month and want to gush about it with me, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at... 